the service of prayer and preaching for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, January 30th, 2022. The opening hymn is LSB 575, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, Proclaim that his name is exalted. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord God is my strength and my song, has become my salvation. A reading from Jonah, the first chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose and to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And what... Of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? 
For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The introit is verses from Psalm 107. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. A reading from Romans, the 13th chapter. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not murder, you shall, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Matthew, the eighth chapter. When Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Continue with the common responsory on page 263. 
Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. We continue with the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. You shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we read just the introduction to the prophet Jonah's life and work. And while his name bears the title of the book, there's more about what Jonah does or doesn't do than what he says. He is to go and preach judgment and repentance to Nineveh. When he finally gets there, we have only one sentence of his great message, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. To our modern ears, this may sound a bit odd, but that's because many have forgotten their Old Testament history. In 2 Kings, we find more of the background to the happenings in the time of Jonah. Jonah lived under the reigns of Amaziah in Judah, the southern kingdom, and Jeroboam II in Israel, the northern kingdom. This is important because there was a division between court prophets and true prophets. Court prophets would speak what the kings wanted to hear while claiming to speak for Yahweh, the one true God. Their task was simple, to instill confidence in the king and maintain social order. The true prophets, on the other hand, actually spoke the true words of God. They were often allied with a secondary cultural group, which was a smaller band of believers. They were the defenders of the true order of older Israel's social and religious values. These were rested on the Torah, the teaching, instruction, words of Moses. The time that Jonah lived in was characterized by the true worship of Yahweh mixed with a very different religious and value system. True prophets were often adversaries of the wicked kings and knew firsthand the violence inherent in the system. These words are a bigger deal than is often recognized. 
Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. With this divine word coming, Jonah is caught in a conundrum. Should he be a court prophet for the wicked king Jeroboam II, a king who no doubt would want him to continue to prophesy about Israel's expansion and superiority or suffer quick and violent punishment? Or should he obey the call to serve as a spokesman to Nineveh for Yahweh, the God he knows to be a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster? What does he do? He does what we do. He panics and runs. We shouldn't be surprised in Jonah's actions because his name gives him away. Jonah is the Hebrew noun for dove. When dove is used for the spirit of God, it's a great and beautiful picture. When it's associated with man, scripture paints a different picture. Hosea uses the word dove as a synonym for double-minded. Ephraim is like a dove, silly and without sense, calling to Egypt, going to Assyria. As they go, I will spread over them my net. I will bring them down like birds of the heavens. I will discipline them according to the report made to their congregation. Woe to them, for they have strayed from me. Destruction to them, for they have rebelled against me. The dove here is flitting from one place to another, flying aimlessly between Egypt and Assyria, anyone whom they think will save them from their immediate need. When their perceived need is taken care of in their mind, they fly somewhere else, always looking, always searching, never at peace. Just a bit more fun with this word. The dove has no strength in itself and on its own is not stable, not calm, never sure, and always on edge. Ezekiel says in the face of any adversity, if any survivors escape, they will be on the mountains like doves of the valleys, all of them moaning, each one over his iniquity. Isaiah proclaims, like a swallow or a crane, I chirp, I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in these, all these, there is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. The psalmist sings, My heart is in anguish within me, the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find shelter from the raging wind and tempest. So Jonah flees. And in the lowest of the low, we pray with him. I called out to the Lord and he answered me. And he answered me. Our prayers are heard and we have another story about a storm and a boat this morning. Jesus gets in a boat and his disciples follow him. It isn't going to be easy. There's a terrifying storm, and like Jonah before them, they panic and run. They flit from side to side, from thought to thought, and in the chaos, they make it to Jesus where they hear these loving words. Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. 
They're rebuked. <laughs> they followed Jesus. They received his rebuke and continue to follow, and he saved them. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the life of faith. It, it's not easy. We aren't perfect. We flitter and fly between opinions and feelings and emotions. In the chaos, we fumble around, and by God's grace, we stumble into Jesus. He hears our prayers, and he saves us. One of the things to see in both of these texts is the storm. This flies in the face of the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel, if you don't know, is a mix of theology and capitalism that equates wealth and goodness and prosperity with virtue. It's a religious belief that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for them, and that faith, positive speech, and donations to religious causes will increase one's material wealth. The unspoken side of this, of course, is that not having health or wealth means that God doesn't love you as much or care as much. Sure, he might love you, but he just loves others more. This is a dangerous and, and wicked, evil thought that court prophets run with and sweep away many. The Gospels clearly say quite the opposite. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. His goal is not to give you a mansion or earthly successes and health, not to be too doom and gloom, but what is the reward the apostles will gain for following Jesus? We know they will be eventually persecuted, and all but John the Elder will be horrifically martyred. Here in the immediate context, they're also rewarded, are they not? They receive a terrifying storm that threatens to kill them. Here is some more fun with words. The Greek grammar of this text implies that the storm was not accidental. Think about that. Just like the storm for Jonah, this was willed and caused by the Lord. The storm didn't just happen to come along in a string of bad luck for the apostles. Rather, the very purpose intent, and intent of this storm was to swamp the boat. It was caused by God to test the faith of these men. Now, we do need to be careful. We don't know the purpose of every storm. We cannot say with certainty why God sends every storm or every pain or suffering in our life. But for these and Jonah and Matthew, we can because he tells us their purpose. One more fun thing in the Matthew text, Jesus is not flitting and flying away. He is not double-minded, going back and forth between opinions and feelings of the day. There's an interesting redundancy in the Greek, which is used for emphasis. What we translate as, but he was asleep, is literally, but he himself kept on sleeping. The Lord and him, the Lord's sleeping is not only a contrast of his calm to the disciples' panic. It also indicates that he is in control. He was behind the swamping while he was asleep. He is doing this, but he was sleeping. Thus we get this important little word, behold, to introduce the whole thing. Behold, there arose a great storm. See, behold means look here, pay attention, this is significant. This isn't a coincidence. This is a divine plot. The plot is that the disciples would pray and be comforted by Christ, not only for the moment, but also as preparation for their ministries, all as a model for us. This is the religion of the cross, not of 70 virgins. It's not a diet plan or fitness regime. It's not particularly interested in time management, fiscal responsibility, or anything that the world considers useful and wise. There are, of course, both spiritual and bodily benefits in this world and the next for good works and keeping the law, but those are corollaries of the goodness of God's law. 
They are gifts of God and fruits to be enjoyed when they are given. But they're not the center of our religion. The good life upheld by our religion is not success as the world counts success. Rather, it is faithfulness lived in the presence of God's mercy. It is not meant to help us escape the storms. It's not even meant to spare us suffering, at least not in this life. What it does is stop our flightiness, or better, drive us to fly to but one place. It opens our eyes to see the very purpose of these horrific and terrifying storms. Jesus calms the storm and delivers the disciples, but that was not the end of their suffering. More sorrows are coming. They will know great sorrow and the shame of failure at the cross, but they will live by faith. They will learn and grow in their faith and know that they are not perishing. Eternal life is theirs. God is with them always to the end of the age, and that there is more to the storm than meets the eye. For us doves, we are given a better dove. We are given the Holy Spirit who strengthens and keeps us in Christ Jesus. In this foundation, we need not fear pain, struggle, anxiety, nor death itself, not even for a moment. The disciples were right to call upon Christ and to arouse him, but they were wrong to panic. They were not perishing. No one who believes in Jesus perishes. Suffering does not mean you have been abandoned. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Christ became flesh and blood, in need of food and drink and sleep, and made himself mortal under the curse of the law. He didn't flip between opinions. He didn't fly away at trouble. While the world hurled him into death to quiet the storm of death, he was always in control. He gave his life into death so that he might destroy death and the power of the devil. Victory over the grave is yours. The innocent blood has been shed for you. He was not spared so that you would be. The crosses that Christ places upon you, even the sorrows of this broken life and your own failures, are not meant to bind you into slavery. Rather, they are to show you what slavery is. They are teachers that constantly remind that this world is not your eternal home. <clears throat> and no matter what loud storm or social pressures aimed at keeping the status quo of the earthly king are shouted and pushed by the court prophets, you are not perishing. You are more than your sins and your past. You are more than the circumstances of your life and your achievements. You are baptized and belong to Christ. There is no need for panic or double-mindedness or feats of flightiness. He is your rock and your refuge. He is the true prophet who speaks only the word of God, who silences the wind and the waves, who stills the enemy and the avenger. As solid doves, let us pray. My heart's delight, my crown most bright, O Christ, my joy forever. Not wealth, nor pride, nor fortune's tide, our bonds of love shall sever. You are my Lord. Your precious word shall guide my way and help me stay forever in your presence. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Office hymn LSB 557, Seek Where You May Find a Way.
Seek where you may to find a way that leads to your salvation. My heart is stilled, on Christ I build. He is the one foundation. His word is sure, his works endure. He overthrows all evil foes. Through him I more than conquer. <clears throat> Seek whom you may to be your stay. None can redeem his brother. All helpers failed. This man prevailed, the God-man and none other. Our servant King, of whom we sing, we're justified because he died, the guilty being guiltless. Seek him alone, who did atone, who did your souls deliver. Oh, seek him first, all you who thirst, for grace that fails you never. In every need, seek him indeed. To every heart he will impart his blessings without measure. My heart's delight, my crown most bright, O Christ, my joy forever. Not wealth nor pride, nor fortune's tide, our bonds of love shall sever. You are my Lord, your precious word shall guide my way and help me stay forever in your In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, 
for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Almighty God, you know we live in the midst of so many dangers that in our frailty we cannot stand upright. Grant strength and protection to support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death has no more dominion over him. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia, alleluia. Dying, Christ dies to sin once for all. Living, he lives to God. Count yourselves as dead to sin and alive to God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia. Alleluia. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen. We sing hymn LSB 754, Entrust Your Days and Burdens.
praise and burdens to God's most loving hand. He cares for you while ruling the sky, the sea, the land. For he who guides the distress. 
at our end, then bring us to heaven to praise you there.